Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And Anthony Roquet is off today. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk about the potential for damage from electromagnetic waves and how to protect your radios and other sensitive electronic equipment from an EMF event or EMP attack. We'll also take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com, your radio specialist. Electromagnetic interference, EMF events, and EMP attacks. We're hearing more and more about how fragile our technology is and how doomsday scenarios such as the failure of our electrical grid can cripple or even wipe out our modern society as we know it. These fears, especially in uncertain times, are generating a greater interest in alternate forms of emergency communications, such as two-way radios. But is all this just the stuff of dramatic disaster movies and paranoid preppers? Or is it actually a valid cause for concern? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not really sure, Rick. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, electromagnetic radiation or EMP, EMF um, events, the, that type of thing. What, what I know is that we sell ham radios, we sell GMRS radios, and customers call us looking for radios and, and oftentimes they're preparing for SHTF type events or situations and um we get the question like do you do you have anything that will protect against this type type of situation because r- radios are electronic equipment mm-hmm. so i guess in in theory if we have an emf or emp type event radios are dead right isn't that the the thought well certainly they would be vulnerable i would think to to that type of event or attack, uh, as it may be. I, I guess what we should do is back up just a little bit. For those who are really not familiar with any of these acronyms, mm-hmm. just uh, what are they? What in, in you know we're talking about EMF or EMI, uh, EMR. There, there are a lot of different ways of of saying this, but essentially it's all electromagnetic radiation. So. I guess we have to start from square one and ask the question, what is electromagnetic radiation? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. In simple terms, electromagnetic radiation or EMR uh is made up of electromagnetic waves of radiant energy. And this is also known as electromagnetic field radiation or EMF. Radio waves are a form 
of electromagnetic radiation. Now, having said that, we really need to talk about why this is such a concern. Uh, apparently, there are some dangers of EMF. And what are these dangers? And do they affect people so much? In general, uh, an EMF event is not so much dangerous for people. However, it can be devastating for electric devices and electronic components. So where would an EMF event originate? Where would this come from? It can come from a number of places. Uh, a lightning strike can generate uh, electromagnetic interference or electromagnetic uh, radiation. Uh, so, you know, lightning strikes all over. One powerful enough close by can can definitely affect electronics. You know, if you're ever driving in your car and you're turning on the radio, like say on an AM station or something especially, uh -huh. and you, there's a storm out there and you you get a lightning strike nearby and you get that really loud static across that that's that's what it is it's electromagnetic interference that's interesting and okay, it's disrupting so. it's disrupting the uh the radio waves on on am so maybe that if most of the time that's not powerful enough to like break or destroy an electrical device but you can see the interference manifesting itself in the the radio waves exactly now a more severe type of event and these are the ones that i think um the preppers prepare for or prepare against i should say are things like uh, a serious uh, maybe a solar flare you know the, the like sun generated by the sun exactly something generated by the sun uh, a solar flare you know, at very low levels, these elect this electromagnetic radiation is is pretty harmless for the most part. But when you get to higher levels um, of EMR, it can get really disruptive and have we causing had... electromagnetic interference, you know, known as EMI. And uh, an have example... we ever had an example like uh, of this happening in the real world? Like, um, yeah, there have solar... been several. There have been several exa examples, uh -huh. um, and of course, it gets uh, once again. It, there are various levels of, or various degrees of of intensity for these things. And when you're talking about a solar flare, um, you know these things can can happen if. There's a coronal mass ejection that's large enough to, to shoot out there and, and disrupt our uh, our Earth's uh, atmosphere. So something and happens with the sun. The sun gets angry. Some, <laughs> something explodes out of the sun. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's felt here on Earth. Maybe not by humans, but electronic equipment. Right. And now there's the natural one. Uh-huh. That's usually attributed to something like a solar flare or a coronal mass ejection. And then you have Which the man. Could, could be theoretically strong enough to harm electronic equipment. Is that correct? Yes, it can. And there have been events that have been recorded in history. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, and then, of course, there's the man-made threat, which uh, I think the one that everyone thinks about is, uh, is a nuclear blast. If if we start throwing nukes at each other or a nuclear bomb blast that is overhead, that can definitely disrupt, that can cause a, a mass 
EMP event. And I think that's, that's mostly what people say when they're talking about an EMP attack. That's when, say, for instance, somebody lobs a, a nuke at us and, and it detonates around us or if it detonates in the atmosphere there's a there's this would a certain, be like an, an act of war pretty much like an accident pretty much this is something that would be intentional by foreign country or countries going to war and this can this can get pretty um pretty intense because yeah, if, they, if they're well if they are detonated in the atmosphere uh say it doesn't have to be on the ground if it's in the atmosphere and the higher up in the atmosphere the more coverage it gets for that EMP attack, it's detonating, you know, maybe five, ten miles in the atmosphere, maybe higher than that. It covers a much broader area. So that could take out a lot of stuff across the entire country. And I think that's what a lot of the preppers uh, prep for. There are EMP bombs that exist that are specifically made for taking out electronics, where they detonate it, you know, in the atmosphere, way up high, you know, like couple hundred miles in the atmosphere and to really take out the electronics and the electrical grid of an entire country wait a minute are these weapons that exist today that countries possess theoretically they do (laughs) wait a minute we're not theoretically they exist or they they apparently apparently they they do uh apparently they do exist now, uh, these can really, they can either temporarily or permanently disable um, all devices and, and the entire power grid. So that can just take down. Now, here's the thing. You're talking about taking out devices, say, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. Um, that's still pretty disruptive. But today, because we all rely so much on our devices, on electronics, that uh, it can really be devastating to an entire society, and it can really cripple society. There yeah, have been I, I can imagine if, if all of our electronics um, or our power grid, that type yeah. of thing, stop working, that's uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Now they know this can occur because there have been historical examples of something like this, and probably the one that's most notable is one called the Carrington event. And the Carrington event occurred uh, September 1st and 2nd in 1859. Now, I realize there wasn't a lot of electrical activity going on, uh, you know, man-made electrical activity going on uh, the earth at that time. And we were just kind of, we were really in the, the electronic age like we are today. And so it was pretty much limited to... Um, Things like the telegraph system, and because the telegraph system was just pretty much being built and, and being used in Europe and in the United States. Um, this was considered, the Carrington event was considered the most powerful and disruptive geomagnetic storm in recorded history, in recorded history. Now, um, now this was a global event that occurred, and it caused bright auroras, Worldwide, all over the world. So everybody saw this and everyone was aware that, that it occurred. And it took out telegraph stations in the U.S. and Europe. And what was really interesting is that it was reported that in some cases the electromagnetic current 
generated by this event was so strong that some of the telegraph operators could actually send messages back and forth without having a power supply connected. Wow. That's, that, that's pretty intense. And it's estimated that, now this was 1859, but everything has changed today and we rely a lot more on our devices and, and electronics and we have this whole electrical grid set up. It's estimated that if such an event occurred today, it would seriously disrupt our civilization, taking down entire power grids, disrupting communications, and disabling most electronic devices. Now, some okay. of this could be some of this could be somewhat temporary, but uh, some of it could also be rather permanent. So that's serious, serious stuff. My question is: this this is a natural occurring example you've got here, 160 years ago. Yeah, this is this is a naturally occurring. The fact example. that it hasn't happened in 160 years, does that mean this is a very, very rare thing to happen naturally? My understanding is that this is something that occurs every 120 to 150 years. So we're overdue. We're, we're probably overdue. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, Perfect. So, yeah, it's it's quite possible it could happen. Now it might happen another 20 or 30 years. Who knows? I'm not enjoying um, this episode. <laughs> Little scary, kind of some scary stuff. So the question is, since we know that this could occur again, and in fact, if it's on a regular cyclical basis, because the sun does operate in cycles, there is a solar cycle for the storms and these kind of events. Um, it's inevitable that something's going to happen at some point. The question is when, how serious it will be. And and we're just we're just eliminating the whole idea that maybe we'll have a man-made event, which the way things are going these days, you just never know. But even so, the natural events themselves are going to be very, very disruptive. So considering that, what do you do? How how do we protect our electronic devices? So people are buying radios for these SHTF and, and extreme events, but the radios are also vulnerable, just like all the other electronics. So a lot of what these preppers are doing are turning to what's called a Faraday cage. Now, what a, a Faraday cage is, it is a um, it's an enclosure of some sort that is specially shielded to uh, block out a lot of the EMI and a lot of the uh, EMF uh, EMP radiation. Yeah, I've heard of and, the Faraday cages before. Now they're made of metal or some kind of yeah. mesh or something like that. You put your electronics inside of them, mm -hmm. and the idea is they're safe. Is that correct? Right. And the common perception of a Faraday cage is usually, you know, like a room or a large box or some kind of a, a cage. Um, but it doesn't have to be like that. It can be something small. You know, some of these guys will put them put their electronic devices in um, in ammo cases. Mm -hmm. So it it can be large, but it can also be small. It doesn't have to be big. All it has to do is it really needs to enclose your devices or a device that you're really trying to protect. So it can be small. The the question is where do you go to get these things? You know, most people are not that familiar with Faraday cages and they really don't know where to get them or how to acquire them or how much they cost. Or if they're adequate or not. Like I, yeah, I'm not true. really 
knowledgeable on this, as you can tell. Um, so I would wonder, like, if I just buy a, a you know metal box or something, is it going to really work? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, I don't know how to tell. Uh, so maybe having something that's built for that specific purpose would be um, a little more peace of mind. Well, we've had people asking about Faraday cages and and, and protection for their radios. Uh, you've been doing a little research on that end. Yeah, that that is where I really um, came into this topic um, because my sales guys are telling us we're getting questions from customers that are buying products for SHTF scenarios, and uh, they're asking if we have EMF protection devices. So I did a little research, found this company called Faraday Defense. Faraday Defense, they seem to be great. They make everything that we need. They, they have uh, EMP, uh, EMF protection Faraday bags, mm-hmm. and uh, they have some low-price bags you can put your equipment in, and we're selling those in various sizes now. And they also have some higher-end equipment like backpacks and duffel bags, that are um, pretty cool-looking uh, devices. Now, as I understand it, we we just started carrying some of these products, and I understand that uh, they they're pretty popular right now. That people are buying these things, and I think, um, I especially, I guess, these days that we're in, I guess people are a little bit more concerned than usual, uh, and they're just trying to be prepared. So, um, I they're. They're doing pretty well. People, apparently, they want these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we've we've gotten um, preppers call us by radios from us for a yeah. long time. I mean, a long time, decade, a decade or so back, I, I, I seem to recall mm-hmm. um, we were getting calls like this. But it does seem like it has picked up. And uh, it seems like the GMRS products that we, we sell are um, – they really work well for the scenarios that they're prepping for. You hunted around to find the right, the right company, you know, with the right products to to offer our customers, well, this, and, and you found this. This isn't really where my knowledge is. You know, I don't I don't know a lot about this topic, so I wanted to be sure that we pick a product that is likely to work. <laughs> you know, you you hate going to uh, you know some company in another country that um, makes something that they say works, but Mm -hmm. then um, you don't really know, right? So Faraday Defense, they've done the research. They've Mm -hmm. put the effort in. They sell to the U.S. government. Um, They sell not just products like these. They sell... um, You see the State Department sometimes using these tents where a government official will go in and um, their cell phone can't be sniffed or, you know, it can't be overheard. So they'll walk into these tents to have a conversation where they know there's no listening devices. Faraday Defense makes these products. Um, So if they're selling to the U.S. government, if this is their business, I feel confident that these products are going to do what they say they're going to do. Now, I mean, that makes sense to me. Faraday Defense, as you mentioned, they sell to the U.S. government. They sell to the military, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a U.S.-based company. So th- these products are made in, in the USA. 
which is a rarity these days anyway. But um, but they make these bags and closures, and and it, it really it it not only isolates and protects equipment from uh, from electromagnetic field radiation, but it uh, it also offers some water protection, and uh, in some ways, it's kind of a preservation of uh, some of these products uh, in general. Yeah, I think so. It, the main idea is the EMF protection, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, they at the lowest end product that just provides the EMP EMF protection um, kind of looks like a bag, like if you ever bought a hard drive or a yep. computer component, a static uh, static bag. Yeah, it protect against uh, static discharge. Now, supposedly, yeah. there's a couple of layers here, so it's not the exact same thing that you would, um, you know, get a motherboard out of or something. But um, it does look like that, and it's like a Ziploc kind of uh, opening, closing. So, yeah, I think it would provide water protection, but really, you're you're getting it for the EMF protection and for se- securing your electronics. Well, is there, if there's any doubt about this company, I have a list of who they supply here. The, the digital forensics, military, law enforcement, defense contractors, private enterprises, medical, communications, aerospace, and technology industries. So that, I mean, that's a long list. So apparently these guys are reputable uh, to the point where they're, they're providing these uh, bags to uh to all these industries. Yeah, I, I feel good about it. And that was important to me because we don't have a way to test if an EMF defense product works. You're not mm-hmm. going to know until it's too late. So you, you it seems to me like it's critical to go with a company that um, you can trust. Well, apparently they've tested these items. They've gone through some rigorous testing uh, from what I understand. So... They stand behind their products. Now, what we have here is we have um, uh, four or five different products here that we're carrying at the moment. And they make a long list. As you mentioned before, they even make little tents and enclosures and things. But uh, on the uh, simple side here, on, on the small end, they have anti-static bags. They have some fabric woven bags that are also protective they have uh, well, they have a backpack, and they're coming out with a duffel bag. Right, I, this I like one's the backpack out. and the duffel bag. Those let's let's, cool. let's go through these real quick. Uh, they've got uh, the first thing. I guess we'll start small yeah, let's here. Let's start with the Nest Z yeah. series. The the Nest Z series is the, your least expensive Faraday bag. This um, yeah. this bag provides protection for. EMF coming through the bag and it provides protection for your electronic devices. Mm-hmm. So um, you put a two-way radio in this bag, it cannot be harmed by electromagnetic interference coming from outside. Um, and these are, we sell them in various sizes and uh, they're fairly inexpensive, starting at like $5, I think. Seven, seven ninety nine, I think, for the 5 by 7 I think is where that starts. Start, seven, or six, seven, seven sixty nine for me. the 5 by 7 and, um, and then it goes up. But they have, uh, yeah, they're different sizes, and you can get them fairly large as well. Now, what this is made of, it's a five-layer, seven-mil-thick moisture barrier EMP bag. has a Ziploc enclosure for uh, quick and easy storage. 
and access to your electronic devices. There uh, are two. Now, these layers are made up of the following here. Two heavy-gauge static-dissipating polyester layers, two aluminum barrier shield layers, and one additional polyester inner layer for added strength. Now, this is... Um, it's designed for shielding laptops, tablets, cell phones, key fobs, credit cards, uh, small hard drives that you just mentioned, USB drives, and, of course, radios, two-way radios. Radios. And, um, yeah, well, you, you get them up to from 5 by 7. I think the, I think the one that you have is an 8 by 10 there, is it? Uh, and then they go up to like 16 by, by 20. Yeah, 16 by 20. And we sell these in kits as well, right? Don't yeah, we there's have, a 15, a 15 piece, piece kit. Yeah, 15 piece kit that has an assorted, uh, an assorted sizes with the same thing. And I think the, the 15 piece kit is 69.99, I believe. Now, then from there we've got this. What's that next item right there we have on the, on the desk? The next item is the NX. Three Faraday slash fabric forensic bag. This bag protects against signals going in or coming out. Mm -hmm. So if you put your cell phone in that bag, it cannot see a signal and it cannot transmit outside of the bag. Now this right here, what we're looking at here, this is actually the, the package that the bag is in. The bag itself, we can open this up, I think, because it just it's just a ziploc. It's actually already open. But this, this is what the bag itself looks like. Ooh, nice, huh? Yeah, let me see. That. Yeah. Can everybody see it? <laughs> yeah, see, it's it's very flexible. You can tell there there's some kind of metal mm -hmm. um, material, at least. Uh, on the outside. Well, let me tell you what this is made of. The NX3 is a three-layer metal-plated fabric EMP bag with a double-roll Velcro closure. Triple layers of specialized metal-plated fabric containing nickel and copper shielding elements. So there's nickel and copper in there. It's all woven in. Um, dissipates signals from both exterior and interior sources, as you mentioned and effectively blocks communication of signals to and from your device with an 85 to 90 decibel attenuation. Right now, we have them available in, uh, this is the 8 by 10 bag that I have, I'm holding here, but it's available in an 8 by 10 and a 12 by 18 from our site right now, but we'll probably be adding more, more sizes later on. They're available in larger sizes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, look look for those. If you need something larger, give us a call, and we'd be happy to, to get that for you. But that uh, this is pretty cool. I, I like the fact that it's, it's a it's a fabric. So now we're getting we're getting a little more sophisticated here with with this. We are, and what they advertise these bags for as well is like um, some people are concerned about uh, like wallets, for example, yeah, with the yeah. new um, chips in credit cards. Mm -hmm. um, they make a size of this that is wallet size. Um, and uh, the idea is it would prevent someone from reading your, your credit card. Yeah. Now, the uh, next item we have here is the Faraday Dry Bag Backpack. Oh, this is my favorite. Stealth Black Backpack. That's a really cool looking bag, actually. It's, it's really nice. This, uh, and, and it's embedded in there, in the top there, it says... Built to block signal. Built to block signal. 
<laughs> and that is a nice, I mean, very good feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The top rolls down and then it locks. So that's to keep for, the for signal out. And also, it uh, helps keep uh, the moisture out too. It, apparently, it's it is uh, it, well. It's it's water resistant. I wouldn't say it's completely waterproof, but it's it's pretty water resistant. So that should offer a, a modicum of protection. Now, what this is, uh, is made it not of not waterproof. It says dry bag. Is that well, not it says there? dry bag? But I don't know. I think waterproof. We've had that discussion about what's considered waterproof. Before. Well, it's not submersible. <laughs> no, it's not submersible. <laughs> yeah. But um, what this is made of, it is a triple-layer metal-plated fabric EMP dry bag with a double-roll and clip and cl a closure, like uh, Danny was just uh, saying. Resilient, puncture-resistant uh, tarpaulin exterior that repels water. Now, this is interesting, this puncture-resistant thing. It, apparently, it... I mean, you I mean, you could stab with a knife. I'm I'm sure if you really wanted to cut it bad enough, but for the most part, for certain punctures, it, it'll resist. It's somewhat you, puncture proof. You would think that would be important too, because if yeah. you throw electronics in this bag, and it, my idea is you get one of these and you just put all your electronic devices in there, and you know yeah. maybe your your bug out situation, you know, throw everything in there and uh, you throw it in a closet or something. Sure, but if a hole gets poked in it, you're you're no longer EMF proof, right? Well, definitely not waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I've got a list of what it blocks here. It blocks Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cell signals, including 5G networks, GPS, and RFID, which you were talking about before with the with the wallets. Mm -hmm. so that's the, this, the RFID uh, protection. It has mesh side pockets. Comfortable padded straps and multiple quick release straps, and uh, it's it's a fairly large interior here. Yeah, there's a lot of room in that bag. I'm, yeah, I was surprised. Now this one goes for one thirty nine ninety nine for the bag. The NX three forensic bag, the fabric bag, um, starts at thirty two ninety nine for starts off there. I think that's for the eight by ten size, I believe, and then goes up from there. The backpack. Price is one thirty nine ninety nine. Now we do have one more product that we don't have with us here today on the tail list because it's uh, it's in a pre order status. It's not available just yet, but it's supposed to be available very very soon. And that is the Faraday dry duffel bag. I can't wait for the duffel bags to get here. That's the one I want. Yeah, the duffel bag is is pretty cool. And now like the backpack. It's basically the same sort of thing as the backpack, but just it's a duffel bag and it stores even more stuff. Yeah, it's larger so, duffel bag style. I think it's the same. It's from the same class as this, and it's, it's pre-order. So. We haven't seen one yet, uh, but we're supposed to be getting them within two or three weeks, I believe. Well, we, I have the specs here. It says three layers of cyber NC nickel copper. That's what the NC stands for, I guess. Uh, three layers of cyber NC nickel copper fabric lining, water resistant construction, comfortable guided straps, reinforced carrying handles, extra strap across the top for a secure closure, and effectively blocks communication of signals to and from your device with um, greater than 85 uh, dB attenuation from 400 megahertz to 40 gigahertz. Now, this the price on this bag is two forty seven ninety nine, but if it does the job, I would say it's probably well worth the price. 
If we have those uh, EMP events that you were talking about earlier, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So, so we do have options here. We do we do have solutions available for this type of thing. If you're really really worried about what could happen to your electronics and your radios in particular, because let's face it, your radios. I mean. If the grid goes down, the cell towers go down, everything else goes down, that's all we've got left are the radios. So um, we want to protect those. So you want to have some protection handy, keep keep them stored in something like this and break it out. Uh, you know, if there is an event, then you, you have them ready and, and they should be working, right? That's, I, I the, that's the theory anyway. We hear from people um, – <laughs> More frequently than I would think that are buying radios simply to put them on a shelf in case there's some kind of disaster yep. where they need communications and their cell phone doesn't work. Like literally, they'll, they'll buy radios from us and probably never even use them, just put them on a shelf. And if that's what you're doing, it makes sense to me to have them in a bag like this. I mean, that, that, little, that extra investment there is going to help protect your initial investment mm -hmm. in the radios. And people were asking for these. these. These devices, I didn't know that this equipment or these products existed um, uh, until people started asking us for them. Like uh, They're they saying, why don't you sell something like this? We can buy it the same time we buy radios. So, And not everybody and can just is. run out and buy an ammo box. <laughs> why not? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Does an ammo box definitely work? Like, can you, if you buy an ammo box? Theoretically, I don't know. To be honest, I don't have an ammo box. You um, should just sell ammo boxes then. You know, I mean, my dad had one. He kept his stuff in and nothing ever happened uh, to, he doing to that. It but, but for storage was, or was he doing it for a little both, EM, I think. EMP protection? Uh, it was a little both, I think. But okay. in any case, nothing ever happened then, but that's because nothing that ever happened then. So we don't really know if it would have worked or not. It's just, you know. You I guess it was just for peace of e mind. You need to build an EMP cannon, and then we can test <laughs> this stuff. Then we would yeah, know. EMP cannon. I'm. I'm uh, what would I do with an EMP cannon anyway? Oh, we would test the Faraday defense products, of course. Uh, I'm not building one just for that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it could be a fun project, fun weekend project. Oh, sure. It might be and in then, jail for that. You know, and if it accidentally goes off, then then our house and the whole neighborhood's out, and and uh, yeah, then they're coming for me. No, the, the house is <laughs> fine. The power is what yeah. the problem would be. Well, that's what I'm talking about. The power you, in the house. Can you legally own an EMP cannon? That's the next question. Uh, I'm not even going to pursue that. Uh, that that do it, Rick. That, I'm not on. even going to research that. Do it. <laughs> it's, Build an EMP cannon. Talk about it on next Wednesday's episode. Oh, great. What do you think? You think I should build an EMP cannon? I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that. Someone out there knows. I'm you sure someone does. Don't. Please don't build an EMP <laughs> cannon. Don't, don't. Okay? Just don't. Uh, we've got enough trouble in the world. If you do build one, let us know, and we'll send a couple of these bags out, and you can tell us how well they work. Uh, if you do build one, I want to know about it. <laughs> All right, I guess that does it for our topic uh, today. I, unless you have anything else on that, uh, I think uh, I think we're done. <laughs> I think we covered it. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean, you were the one you put these products on the website. You dug uh, really dug in on the 
EMP information. I I, uh, I just found them. If only said, Rick, Anthony, here you go. If Figure only Anthony out. were here. He didn't want to be caught. He's the one. ones talking to the guys asking for these things. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a couple of comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. The first one comes from Ralph or Ralph Ill. And uh, he is asking about antenna recommendations for handheld radios. And he wants to know, can you recommend an upgraded antenna for a business class two-way radio, uh, in particular the Midland BR200? We use these for indoors, and the signal is a little weak at the far ends of our buildings with a two-inch stock antenna. Midland makes a unity gain antenna that is about six inches or eight inches long. But is this the best choice, or do you have a better recommendation? There seems to be quite a number of options with low gain, mid gain, high gain. I only need to increase the signal slightly for better clarity, and I don't desire anything longer than 8 inches. Thanks, and that's from Ralph. Um, Ralph, that unity gain antenna that you were talking about, that Midland makes, um, that's for the... um, for the BR200 in particular, we carry that by the way at by twoayradios.com. Yes, that should do. be that should be fine. That should be uh, sufficient. In fact, that's probably exactly what you're looking for in terms yeah, of the. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's um, put out by Midland. They they have tested it with those BR200 radios, mm-hmm. um, and the the antenna that comes with it isn't the best. Like we talked about last week with the Ocean. KGS84 and S86B radios, um, we ship those with the small antennas because yeah. uh, people seem to prefer that, but they don't get quite as good of range as a normal, more typical size antenna. So um, go with the Midland. Yeah, yeah, that, that antenna will probably work just fine for what you need. Um, our next one comes from Fred, and he's responding to uh, episode 169. We were talking about the new Ocean KG S72C FMCB radio. Uh, he's responding specifically to that. Uh, actually, I think we uh, had asked for some feedback. And um, so Fred's responding with some feedback. He says, hey, bye to we radios, guys. Thank you for all of the information you provide and the great hardware and available advice. My request would be to see a radio, any radio, actually tested for output versus the advertised specs. I have purchased several radios and done output tests and have found that actual versus advertised is sometimes quite different. People make purchasing decisions based on those specs and should receive equipment that meets the advertised capabilities. Thank you, and that's from Fred. Um, My experience is that there is some variance with wattage um, on radios, and a lot of times... It is exaggerated. Like, for example, especially with the, a lot of these import radios or the low-cost import radios, you will see like 5 watts or 8 watts or something like that, and um, they just don't do it. You'll never get one that puts out 8 watts. Um, Baofeng, for example. Remember, we uh, we used to sell the UV5Rs, and yeah. one shipment we ordered 8-watt, uh, the 8-watt variant. Yeah, and we tested that. them, and they were, they were exactly the same as they weren't eight the watts. five watt. Like <laughs> you, you could grab one from the five watt stack and one from the eight watt stack, and they, 
you know, sometimes the five watt would be more, and they, they were basically the same, the same radio. The wattage was kind of all over the place uh, with those radios, especially in, in the early days when when we were selling those. They would just vary so greatly, and they would vary from frequency to frequency somewhat. And, and that's pretty much true of most radios anyway. You're going to get a little bit of variance Correct. depending it, on what frequency like you're on. There will yeah. be a, a yeah. frequency that they're specifically optimized for, and then it will go down um, from there. It's difficult to get exact um, exact wattage on these radios all the time because of all of the variances, not just in manufacturing, but in how they're used and in and what scenario they're used in. Of course, as we just mentioned, the frequency, anything else that, I mean, you, you have a number of things that go into that. And uh, to be precise, 100% precise all the time is extremely difficult to do. You just, you get in the range that you say, okay, this is going to get, and that's what we say. We say, you know, it gets up to this wattage or up to that wattage, but we can't say that it gets exactly that wattage all the time because it's not going to happen. That's just the way it is with radios. There's other variables too. Like you, you have to be sure if you're testing for power, your battery needs to be fully charged because when, they're, big one. when they're putting that wattage uh, in the specs, they're they're basing it on a absolutely full, maxed out battery. No, uh, that's true. The, the other thing is the device that you're using to test uh, the power. If you're using a cable to go between the radio and your power meter, mm-hmm. um, are you using adapters on that? Adapters can introduce loss. If you're um, on the other side. Of that power meter, do you have an antenna? Well, if it's not optimized precisely with SWR, you're going to get loss there as well. It need to be needs to be going into a dummy load, um, and it needs to be going into a dummy load that's rated for the power that you're outputting. So there there are things to consider that the length of the coax that mm-hmm. you've got between your radio and your power meter. Now, when it comes to some of the consumer-grade radios, I mean, I can understand, yes, you, you'll see the pictures in the boxes that say, oh, yeah, you'll get, uh, you'll get up to 32 miles or up to, you know, and that's a completely – and we've, we have covered that ad nauseum in the past. And, you know, you don't want to believe that. But uh, once again, that's, that's going to be a huge variance Let me there, share depending on tip. how you're u- using the radios. Here's a tip for you. Go to the FCC's website. If you search Google for FCC ID mm-hmm. search, it'll take you right to the FCC's page for entering an FCC ID, and you can look at the grant that was issued by the FCC. On that page, it will tell you the actual power that the testing lab got out of the radio. That mm-hmm. number still not going to be exact, but it's going to be a lot closer than the number that's you know in this on the spec sheet for the product and you might be surprised especially on some of these consumer models you might be unpleasantly surprised at the the numbers that that are in there for wattage because you know, some people are thinking that oh this is a 2 watt radio this is a 5 watt radio and it's and oftentimes it's far from it um, How many big name FRS radios have we seen that we that oh, tested boy. at like instead of two watts, like 
0.2 watts. Yeah, 0.2 watts, <laughs> 0.3 watts, 0.5 watts. And, you know, that's on high power. <laughs> and it, right. you, you got, you, you've got the low power, like the F, like the FRS radio. So low power, you've got the, uh, because, on channels uh, 8 through 14 on the FRS channels. They have to be no more than half a watt. And you're thinking, well, if I'm on channels 8 through 14, uh, I'm getting half a watt of power. If I'm on channels, uh, you know, uh, 1 through 7 or 15 through 22, I'm getting the full wattage of this radio. Well, the full wattage of the radio might not even be much more, might not even be half a watt. (laughs) It it might be a quarter watt on the uh, channels 8 through 14. I think a typical number on fairly expensive FRS radios is something like 0.7 watts on high and maybe like 0.2, 0.15 on um, the low power. If you're lucky, you'll get something like a Cobra that has maybe like 1.2 watts or something. Oh, that that, that must be the the high end one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah, do put the FCC ID in there, and it doesn't cost you anything to do it. But you, uh, yeah, you'll you'll be uh, somewhat surprised at just what the real numbers are on some of those radios. Now we have we have some of the ocean radios that FRS radios, MERS radios, and you would think that you would say, well, those are low power radios. But you know what? When those are stacked up against some of those other major brand consumer grade radios, you're going to get three to four times the wattage oftentimes of that because you're looking at a full two watts for the most part on those FRS radios and you're getting maybe 0.7 or 0.5 watts on some of those others. So if you really want something that's going to be, that's going to max out FRS, Go with the Ocean KG805. Ocean products are the best that I've seen and um, at matching the advertised power. And the reason is we we work with them on a lot of those products Mm -hmm. and we yell at them if they don't come in (laughs) (laughs) at the right power. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions for this episode. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. Of course, you can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it just about everywhere you can find a podcast. And of course, you can get it directly in your email if you go to twowayradioshow.com, click on the subscribe page, click on that little blue button that says subscribe by email, put in your email address in the box, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out. You don't have to do anything else. It's right there. Um, That's the easiest way to do it. I highly recommend that method. So uh, pretty much that's uh, that's what we got here today. Uh, Before we go, any other final comment? I think we got it. Mm -hmm. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. I forgot to mention that about the the Faraday products. If you want to get some of these uh, new Faraday products, you can enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save 5% off those. Just a tip. 
Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buy2wayradios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. And I'm Danny Beamster. And we're out. Out.